I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, 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 now, now, now. You know you're responsible for what you hear. You know you're responsible for what you hear. Greetings, and welcome to Thoughts from Meharry Head, the weekly podcast where I talk about, well, whatever happens to be bouncing around inside my head at the moment, but mostly focusing on constitutional issues and political decentralization. This is episode 12 of Thoughts from Meharry Head, and I really appreciate you tuning in. This week, I'm going to talk about the Pledge of Allegiance. One of the quickest ways to rile up Americans is to say something negative about the Pledge of Allegiance. Most people take any criticism of the Pledge almost as some kind of patriotic blasphemy. So you might want to prepare to get riled up. Because I have to admit, I refuse to say the Pledge. Now when it comes to the Pledge of Allegiance, most people get worked up about the words, under God. Some people want it out. Some people want it in. But that's not my issue at all. No, I have a more fundamental problem with the pledge, namely the fact that it describes something that America was never intended to be. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, one nation, indivisible. We know the pledge by rote. We parroted those words thousands of times without even really thinking about what they mean. We take the words of the pledge for granted, as if it's some unassailable orthodoxy. We don't have to prove the founders intended the United States to be one nation. We don't need to debate the term indivisible. It just is because, well, it is. It's dangerous, this blind acceptance of mantra, this unchallenged expression of orthodoxy. In the words of George Orwell, quote, orthodoxy means not thinking, not needing to think. Orthodoxy is unconsciousness, unquote. The pledge has become orthodoxy. The idea that one American people created a constitution forming one nation under one supreme federal government that is forever indivisible serves as the foundation for every expansion of federal power today. This notion removes virtually all authority from the states. They possess no sovereign power of their own. They can only exercise authority with the benevolent blessing of the general government. The feds get the bread, states scavenge for crumbs, ultimately left to beg for sustenance. This clearly describes the system of governance in the United States today. But this nearly universally accepted idea of America, parroted by rote by children across the country every single day, bears absolutely no resemblance to the vision cast by those who created the United States. 
Their intent was that the people of 13 sovereign states would delegate specific powers to a federal government for their mutual benefit. There were those who favored a consolidated national government, but the majority of the people refused to relinquish the sovereignty of their individual states. They never gave in to those who favored creating a national government. By and large, the American people of the founding era feared centralized power, so they created a federal government with limited powers and included checks and balances between those departments. But they also assumed that the states retained all powers not delegated and that they would serve as a check on federal power. During the Massachusetts Ratifying Convention, Delegate Fisher Ames argued for the inclusion of what would later become the Tenth Amendment. He said this, quote, A consolidation of the states would subvert the new Constitution and against which this article is our best security. Too much provision cannot be made against consolidation. The state governments represent the wishes and feelings and the local interests of the people. They are the safeguard and ornament of the Constitution. They will protect the period of our liberties. They will afford a shelter against the abuse of power and will be the natural avengers of our violated rights. End quote. So here's the key to understanding your system of government. The states started out sovereign, like individual countries, and they remained sovereign through the ratification of the Constitution. And they are still sovereign political societies today. Yes, they delegated limited power to the federal government through the Constitution, and within its sphere of authority, the feds are supreme. But that authority is minuscule, and the states and the people retain all other powers. We are not one nation. We are a union of sovereign states. If you buy into the one nation, one people concept, you need to answer this basic question. When exactly did the people of the states ever give up their sovereignty? In fact, they never did. In the beginning, the 13 colonies were separate, independent political societies. They were never united as one people in a political sense. True, they shared an allegiance to the crown, and they were all British citizens. But so were Canadians, and the people in the Caribbean, for that matter. In that sense, all British subjects counted as one people. But each colonial government remained sovereign within its own borders and possessed no authority over its neighbor. They were, in fact, distinct political societies. The colonies voted on and declared independence from England as individual states operating through a Continental Congress created by the states, with representatives chosen by those states. Would a colony not signing on to the Declaration of Independence have been obligated to go to war with Great Britain? Clearly not. Then, when the colonies formalized their union, the Articles of Confederation expressly maintained state sovereignty. At the end of the Revolutionary War, King George III recognized the colony's independence as 13 sovereign states, naming each one individually in the Treaty of Paris. And finally, the Constitution itself was ratified through state conventions by delegates elected by the people of each individual state. James Madison summed up the nature of the federal government in the Federalist 36. He wrote this, each state in ratifying the Constitution is considered as a sovereign body independent of all others and only to be bound by its own voluntary act. 
In this relation, then, the new Constitution will, if established, be a federal and not a national Constitution. At no point did the people of the states assemble themselves into one people or create one nation. And the founding generation did not consider the Union indivisible. In fact, several ratifying documents expressly left the door open for secession. For example, the New York ratifying instrument reads, quote, that the powers of government may be reassumed by the people whensoever it shall become necessary to their happiness, end quote. In other words, the states were delegating powers to the federal government, and the states could take those powers back. Here's the bottom line. The states were sovereign entities before ratification, and they remained sovereign entities after. The people of each state always retain the right to resume the powers delegated if they want to, Lincoln's canons notwithstanding. But why does any of this really matter? I'll tell you why. Because separation of powers protects our basic liberties. It guards our freedom. And it places a check on human nature, which often leads those holding power to tyrannize us for our own good. Seriously, do we really want to grant the federal government a power monopoly? No. Authority vested in too few people or institutions poses grave risks to individuals, to each one of us. We all understand this intuitively when we start talking about economic monopolies. We all fear the power of marketplace domination by a single company. How quickly we throw caution aside when it comes to government monopoly power. We've wandered down the pathway of consolidation for far too long. One nation, indivisible, makes for a catchy pledge. But like the beautifully brilliant billowing tentacles of a jellyfish, the words conceal a deadly poison. And now, we the people suffer the consequences of unrestrained, unchecked federal power. The sting of endless wars, unsustainable spending, unimaginable debt, groping and peeking at airports, spying on everybody, control over the food you eat, the medicines you choose, and the amount of water you put in your toilet. We see erosion of due process and property rights. The list goes on and on and on. We must let go of the false orthodoxy of the Pledge of Allegiance and rediscover the republic for which the flag actually stands. Well, that's it for this episode of Thoughts from Meharry Head. I really appreciate you tuning in. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and spread the word. And make sure you subscribe over at iTunes. Feel free to send me any thoughts or ideas at michael.meharry at 10thamendmentcenter.com. Thanks again for listening.